What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer from Ping Pong Payments here. I'm the affiliate marketing manager uh, for our company, and you are watching Crossover Commerce. This is a show about uh, e-commerce and Amazon sellers trying to get a different perspective in the e-commerce world. And today, I have a very special guest from FeedbackWiz, the CEO and co-founder of Feedback Wiz. I have Henson Wu with me. Henson, welcome. Hey. Hey, Ryan. Nice to uh, <laughs> Thanks for letting me join. Yeah, no problem. And you're a super busy guy nowadays. There's so much going on at Feedback Wiz. You're constantly moving around. Uh, I brought you on today and kind of like extended the invitation because uh, for those who are selling on Amazon, you might have saw recently that there is a new update to the buyer-seller messaging um, you know, terms of, uh, terms of, I wouldn't say conditions, more like the communication, uh, side of things with Amazon buyer seller messaging and, uh, feedback was is kind of like the pioneer of the space. I always want to say you guys are ahead of the game and know how to adapt to that. But, uh, before we jump into all of that, for those who are joining and don't know who you are, can you give us like maybe a little bit of background, uh, of yourself and then, uh, jump into feedback was, and then we can start going through questions that people might have or just questions I have that I throw your way. Yeah, so I used to be an Amazon seller back in 2014, and I sold products, um, you know, retail arbitrage, um, you know, did a couple private labels. And uh, I was working as an engineer at the same time. So my background is actually in engineering. So I got together with our co-founder, Aaron's, and we just started developing some software for ourselves for my store. And then as we kept building more software, we decided that this would be a good opportunity to um, start a business, you know, in the Amazon software space. So that's what we ended up doing. And this is where we are today on feedback ways. Uh, fortunately, I don't sell on Amazon anymore uh, because this is my full-time job. Um, you know, I love selling. However, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ups and downs and a lot of challenges. And our goal at Feedback was is to provide these solutions to help sellers, um, you know, basically save time, increase profits, you know, um, get rid of these issues that they have. So that's basically where we're at. The long story short, right? Yeah. And yeah. you guys are based on, you guys are based in California, correct? Still? Yeah, we're still, in, we're in California. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you guys are Northern California, Northern California. That's right. San Jose. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, uh, you guys are doing this full time. So before, right when you started this, it was mainly a focused on ratings and reviews, right? Or it was basically reviews is what the, the service kind of went to. And then it's kind of expanded a little bit from there, more people asking for different services and kind of, uh, different kinds of solutions. What was, what was kind of the thought around building a software company uh, simply around, you know, Amazon reviews. Was there a reason or did that kind of just like naturally float into that or what's kind of the story behind that? Well, uh, so yeah, like you said, we did focus on ratings and reviews and primarily through email automation and email automation is not something that's very easy to create. There's a lot of things that are a lot of moving parts, right? And we right. felt like, Hey, this is a great 
uh, opportunity to get into because it's com complicated and it's it's not that easy for you know competitors and stuff to create something similar to what we did. And our focus was on ratings and reviews because everybody knows ratings and reviews is you know the blood and lifeline of your Amazon store, right? You need to have them. Um, unfortunately, when we first started, you know, we were thinking about all the different strategies and ways we can help, you know, the sellers and buyers to connect to each other and communicate to get the reviews. Um, but however, through the years, you know, Amazon has really tried to cut down on that communication part, right? So um, for us, it's like, yeah, I mean, we used to have really cool, awesome stuff, features that, you know, um, buyer, seller uh, matching, right? We could match every single review back to the order. You can automate this the email sequence, all that good stuff. But, you know, things like that are, you know, gone, right? <laughs> things change, pass. <laughs> Darn you, Amazon, in your changing ways. They can't make up their minds. And, th and I think that's why I brought you on, too, because there's so much that people are just, there's. it's a constant, co constantly moving cog, right? There, people are trying to stay ahead of the game. They're trying to understand what's, what's the newest procedures and protocols, right? It's just like launching or... Uh, you know, launching products or trying to rank products, if you will, there's constantly all these different like terms of conditions you have to be aware of to know that you're making sure you're not getting your own service or listing uh, in trouble. So just like you guys, you're trying to stay ahead of the game and helping your customers um, understand the rules and regulations that Amazon has. So jumping into that, what's kind of the updates, if you will, like from maybe if you set the table of when 2020 hit, this is where it was. And now this is what Amazon has changing into, and maybe if you have any insight of why it's changing that way, uh, to share that with our audience, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so starting from, I would say probably like mid 2019 to 2020, Amazon started um, enforcing like some regulations on how, you know, the sellers communicate with the buyers through buyer seller messaging. So there's always these, uh, you know, TOS or seller communication policies that were always in place, but Amazon really never enforced it. So th things like, you know, incentivizing for reviews, sending coupon codes, directing them to your website, you know, um, asking them for a five-star review or asking them to return the product if they have an issue uh, before writing a review. These are all things that sellers were using uh, as a strategy, right? Uh, to communicate with the buyer, right? Um, basically, primarily to get five-star reviews and, you know, mitigate on the negative reviews. Um, however, Amazon, I think, didn't like the fact that, um, one, there was too much messaging going on between the sellers and buyers. And then two, um, it was kind of uh, making the reviews not as genuine, right? So if you're constantly incentivizing your seller, uh, your buyers to leave good reviews or giving them refunds, a lot of times what happens is uh, you'll see so many listings that all have, you know, 4.5, five-star reviews with, you know, thousands of reviews. And then as a shopper, um, you know, you don't really, uh, you don't really get the full um, understanding of whether or not this product is really, you know, worth a five-star or four-star, right? Because those, those re uh, reviews could be manipulated. So Amazon really wanted to cut that down and try to make the, um, the experience for the buyer better. So that's why they started enforcing these regulations. Um, and then come 2020 right now, uh, they released recently a very detailed guideline on exactly what they think, you know, sellers should not be doing or can do, right? Because before the 
the conditions were pretty vague, right? It was kind of like a few words here and there, like people didn't really understand, like, can I do this? Can I do that? So they've put more detail into it now and it makes it a little bit better for everybody. However, it's still not perfect. And these, these enforcements re recently were just in effect uh, two days ago. So that means they gave everyone about six or seven weeks to comply. And now, um, is know, that typical for Amazon to do? That seems like a short amount of time to, to kind of edit and change everything around. Is that, is that typical? Um, usually not for this. The reason why they gave so much time was because there was a lot of big changes where it's not just on the seller side, but for sellers that are using third-party softwares like FeedbackWiz to help automate the process, like there are a lot of big changes we had to do to help mm -hmm. you guys or the sellers, um, stay compliant. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's what mainly was, was to give more time for everyone to understand it, uh, for us to help educate our customers and then make sure that, Hey, starting from here, anyone that starts using buyer seller messaging, you know, make sure you understand what you really can and can't do anymore. Right. So biggest, biggest, biggest effect mainly happened with third-party sellers who were using services like feedback was to automate their, their services. So how, how does that, is that just made people more aware of like what those communication policies are? What's kind of the, the effect of these changes um, in the community, do you think? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I would say the majority of sellers, there's just too many things they have to deal with, right? And sometimes this communication part with the buyers is not really high priority. So what ends up happening is, you know, A, they don't even know what's going on. Even a lot of our customers don't know, right? And we message them, email them, put all these alerts and stuff like that. And then B, um, they might not be using buyer seller messaging anymore because uh, they previously got restricted for, you know, uh, violations, right? Hmm. So for the people that are still using buyer seller messaging, I would, I would still recommend that you use it because it's, it's a way that Amazon allows you. They, they've made it clear in writing now that you can use buyer seller messaging to ask for user feedback. So if Amazon's allowing you to use the system to do it, um, why not take advantage of it? Because all the other black hat opportunities to get reviews are pretty much closed these days, right? You can't really do those things anymore. So they're giving right. a white hat opportunity to do it. Um, you want to be able to use that opportunity. However, you got to make sure you understand, like, how can I use this buyer seller messaging tools in the compliant fashion, right? Right. And I mean, that makes complete sense. And so uh, you had mentioned that the, these, these services were helping people get ratings and reviews. Um, can you, can you let uh, everyone who doesn't know the difference between the two, how that was, how this messaging was doing that just simply um, and again, thanks for everyone for joining us on crossover commerce. For those who are joining, if you have questions about what we're talking about, leave them in the uh, comments below and we'll be more than happy to answer them live now. Or obviously we can refer you to Henson and his team over at Feedback Liz, uh later on. But going back to my initial question about reviews and ratings and how that's kind of affected now, even though it's a big component of how you, you know, your product listing is uh, ranked on, you know, Amazon in just sales in general, it all kind of like trickles down, right? How is, how are things uh, being affected um, in that regards? Um, yeah. So in terms of it being affected, you know, getting reviews is not that easy, right? So you can't really ask your friends and family anymore, right? Um, <laughs> launching a product. Like is, is that what people were doing in the past? Is that, is that a legitimate thing? 
people are just saying, hey, go oh, on. Yeah, there. of course. I mean, yeah, people would go on Facebook and they would message all their friends and say, hey, can you review my product or can you write me a review, right? And it's a really easy way to get reviews because it's like, right. you know, your friend, you're going to do it for them, right? So you can just right. rack up a whole bunch of reviews, but Amazon now can detect that and they'll, you know, basically take your listing off or remove those reviews once they find out um, you have some kind of connection with the buyer, right? So, right. so how are they doing that? But I, I'm going to keep like diving down this path. Like how people might be like, how does Amazon know if I'm connected to you selling on the, on the, this product on Amazon? Is it, is it IP? Is it just, you know, names are like, what, how are they researching and finding these people? I mean, it's a black box, but it's not hard, right? I mean, Google, Amazon, these guys track all your movements, all your information. Yeah. IP address, they know it. Right. Hey, we know. just scared. We just scared everyone off of the internet. I guess. <laughs> yeah, isn't there that one uh, Netflix movie that I forgot what it's called? Uh, the so yeah, the social dilemma. Don't yeah, worry, I, yeah. I've watched I mean, it too many times to. That thing to is scare crazy, myself. right? It's just watch that, and you're like, okay, yeah, it's doable, right? I understand. Yeah. So and, um, yeah, so to walk it back, that Amazon and any technology company can probably find your connections, know who you're working with, and it makes sense, like. If you're working in a conjunction of 500 people on Facebook and you ask a percentage of those people to write a review, you know, it's not legitimate. And those people are not, may not have bought that product and they are not talking to it. So that was how old Amazon used to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's crazy, right? I mean, you guys got to be, you just got to be careful with how you get reviews these days. And I think most sellers, the seasoned sellers, they all know, right? They, they've been selling long enough to see the evolution of how Amazon is tackling reviews. So this is the same thing. This is just part of this is the part of the process of uh, Amazon's changes, right? Um, so I'll just go over some of the key details. If uh, you're an Amazon seller, let's say you've been using buyer seller messaging emails, or you know, you've never used buyer seller messaging emails and you're looking to set up a strategy, right, for getting reviews or feedback. Um, really, it's they just don't want you to incentivize reviews, right? They don't want you to write a message asking them to write a five-star review, sending them coupon, um, you know, directing to your website or any type of marketing material, right? Buyer seller messaging is really just for customer support. Uh, you know, resolving issues with orders. Um, and then basically they allow you to ask for review. So when you actually ask for review, it has to be in a very like neutral manner, right? So you don't want to incentivize them saying, if you had a great experience, could you please leave us a review? Or if you had a bad experience, please contact us before you leave a review. So a lot of sellers might think that's okay because, you know, I'm giving the buyer an opportunity to reach out. There's a problem, but, um, Amazon doesn't view this as, uh, you know, a legitimate way to ask for reviews. So you have to be very careful when you ask for reviews. Just ask them for leave a rating or review, or could you please um, rate our product? Right, something very simple like that. Um, the other big changes are really that Amazon is trying to cut down on some of the content you put inside the the emails too. So they used to allow you to put like emojis and pictures and you know, anime gifs and things like that. So you can't do that anymore as well. So that's kind of sucks. So the emails are pretty much plain, right? You just, you can put in Amazon related links. You can, um, you know, put in, you can put in your store logo as brand recognition, but you can't put any other images that are not related to your store brand. 
And that's that's pretty much it. You know, they just want you to make sure that when you're asking for reviews, it's a it's a very like uh, uniform message. You know, there's no there's a bunch of styling um, and spacing and grammar and spelling rules and all that good stuff. But if you're using a third party tool, you, you're not you shouldn't worry about that because a third party tool is supposed to regulate all that. So what we've done as a big part of our changes is we have to be able to detect and make sure that your email that you're sending out uh, follows those styling options, right? Regulations to meet the regulations. Right. So just make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're doing that. Um, right. The other big change is the, the number of reviews you can ask, right? Per order. So before people would solicit uh, buyers like two, three, I've seen five emails per order asking for a review, right? Constantly, nonstop. It's just so, email, Amazon, email from Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, people have these like sequences, right? They'll send one after first day, they'll send one after three days and five days. Seven days. And I think that's really why Amazon kind of got annoyed because the buyers are getting annoyed. So they're opting out and then these messages start becoming ineffective, right? So Amazon now says that you can only send one review request or feedback per order. Right. So that means you only get one shot to do it. So that means that you can either use buyer seller messaging to ask for review, or you can use the review request a review button, which is something that Amazon recently released to help, um, you know, sellers click on a button and then Amazon sends it on behalf. So you just got to make sure you use either one of those methods. You can't use both of them for the same order because that would consider if you use both, that would be considered two asks per review per order. Right. It would be a duplicate effort essentially. So they're doing that to obviously streamline. I think there was a lot of, like you said, uh, to recap from what I heard, a lot of people are just getting spammed by certain sellers of, Hey, leave a review. Hey, leave a review. Uh, and that's not something that Amazon wants. They want the customer to feel compelled to give those reviews. And a lot of times it's just, you know, someone either doesn't remember to do it or, um, you know, they, they feel compelled like one way or another. I think a lot of people, in my mind, leave reviews either they they really are upset with the product and they want to leave a lasting impression for that sell for that seller essentially, um, whether it broke or they just had an issue in general, whether it's in the seller's control or outside, or two, they are going to give a glowing review because it's exactly what they were looking for. There's not a lot of in between, right? There's either a five or a one. Not a lot of people give in between unless they're super picky about their system. Um, so I know when we say review and we say rating. Amazon, I think in the last two years, maybe one year, they split the two and they had these options for both. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what's, the, what's is, the difference for people who don't know the difference? The difference, um, a review is when someone writes like actual written words to talk about your product. And then rating is where they kind of just pick one or five stars and then just click on it. So the rating system is nice because I think the issue in the past was that they only had the review system where you had to not just pick the stars, but then you also had to write something about it. And then mm -hmm. a lot of people in general just don't want to do that, right? Or just don't have the time to do it. Or they only write the review when there's a bad issue with the product, right? So mm -hmm. with the rating system, it's nice because you can just tell them to rate the product and it just takes them one second. They can just click on the stars and say five stars and that's it, right? And it goes through. Um, in terms of the weight, I'm not 100% sure because that's also a black box. And I know there's a lot of different um, ways that Amazon calculates, like, you know, how 
how much this rating or review weighs on terms of your overall rating, right? Um, I know that some sellers, some buyers might have a higher weight, right? It could be a more seasoned seller, uh, seasoned buyer or viewer, right? Maybe they have a lot of upvotes for their overall reviews, right? Or maybe they're um, part of the uh, Amazon reviewer club, right? Group, they're the special people that review products, right? right. They might have a different weight. So it's kind of unknown, but in general, it's, it's basically an average, right? If you get a bunch of five stars and one, one star, your rating is going to be, you know, leaning towards, you know, 4.8, 4.9. Yeah, exactly. right? So, yeah. So what, so you said there's not like a clear example of like what is outweighed, um, what, which way is heavier. Um, do you think that just it's getting more interaction with product listings because of the rating system? Because from what I, you know, in previous companies I've worked for, I think it was deemed as a good thing just because of, it was not invasive. You didn't have to spend so much time rating, writing a certain amount of, you know, characters was like, Hey, receive this product. I had this example, like I had this situation come up, this solution, uh, provided, a or this product provided a solution, um, very straightforward. Um, now you can just give a review without giving your thoughts and you can't really verify what it is, but do you think that the psychological, like of the star rating system, when people are scrolling through, which product should I pick? Which product should I buy? That they see the stars and not necessarily read the wording. Do people think are just visually uh, looking at that instead of reading your reviews? Well, I think in general, Amazon has kind of, hypnotized us or trained us to just look at the stars, right? So whenever I buy a product myself, I will just look at the star ratings first. And then I would look at the number of reviews or ratings they uh, uh, um, received, right? Right. So if they got five stars and they got three reviews, then I'd be a little questionable. I might, I'll probably <laughs> pick someone that got 4.7 with, you know, 5,000 ratings, right? So I think there's, it's based on the buyer's preference on how they view or, you know, interpret the reviews, but in general, yeah, you just want to collect as many ratings and reviews as you can, and then have the highest rating reviews possible. Right. And that's pretty much the goal. Um, the other thing I also look at too, is I like how Amazon has the rating distribution little chart. If you scroll to the bottom of the product page, you'll see that it'll tell you like what percentage people left to five star, what percentage people left a, um, you know, four star, three star, two star. And you can kind of just look at that distribution and figure out if you buy enough, you'll know that like, you know, if you have a very high percentage of one or two star reviews, um, and it's sometimes weird too, because you could see products that have a higher distribution of that and they still have a very high overall product rating. Right. Or you could have, um, 99% five stars and 1% one star, right? With a lot of reviews. And these kind right. of have very similar um, overall score, like 4.5, 4.6, right? Um, so I kind of like looking at that better because I could see overall, like what's what are people rating them in general as a distribution, right? And, it, and if it's a lot of one stars, I'll probably just go in there and read them a little bit and just see what's going on, right? And you sound like me. I can <laughs> determine whether or not I want to buy the product. So. Uh, I, yeah, like I think most people use this method, right? So it's, that's why it's very important not just to get five-star reviews. You also want to try to cut down on the one-star reviews too. 100%. And uh, before my next question, uh, we actually had someone 
uh, commented in from Facebook before I hop in, uh, reintroducing everyone from LinkedIn, uh, from Facebook, from YouTube, everyone joining us live. Thank you so much for hopping on and learning uh, from Henson Wu, CEO and co-founder of Feedback Wiz. We're talking reviews, ratings, and the changes in Amazon buyer seller messaging. Um, we actually have someone, uh, I think Brandy Broussard, maybe uh, Henson, you can uh, you know, shed a little bit of light on this. And th I think this is actually a pretty pop popular question that people bring up is, hey, I want to try out products and write reviews for people. Um, there are services out there that do this. Um, what, what's kind of the take on you as a profession, uh, professional in this space? Is Are companies like this legitimate? Is it a good thing to have uh, services like this? Um, kind of in Brandy's case, I think she said, I want to be able to write reviews for products. Um, and where can I do this? Do you, do you have any suggestions for this? Um, so there's a lot of launch services out there that basically what they do is um, sellers will go to this website. They have a front end and back end, right? The front end is where they can post their product. And then basically they want people to buy the product that could discount like a heavy discount. So you can get this product for pretty cheap. Right. And the idea of this launch service is really to boost the, um, the ranking of the product, right? The, the more, the more sales velocity you have, the higher the um, product gets ranked. However, um, in the past, they were using this not just as a ranking, but they also were trying to get reviews out of it. And Amazon has pretty much cracked down on figuring out like whether or not your product was used, uh, bought with a coupon or through a launch service. And most of the time what happens is if they find out that a review is written for it, uh, they would likely remove the review or flag your listing. So. I think Brandy, if you want to get paid for writing reviews for a company, it might not be that easy to find because technically these companies don't really want you to write a review, right? Launch services are still okay because it's, there's no problem giving away your products, but the problem comes when you're giving away the product and then asking them to write a review. So that becomes somewhat compromised, right? So I don't, I don't really know like what companies are still out there that will pay you to write reviews, but you can probably look around to see. And, you know, I think most seasoned sellers would never pay or never pay people to write reviews to their uh, products anymore because they understand that Amazon has ways to track it and it's not worth the risk. Right. And I think that's a good point. And, and Brandy, that's that's definitely a great question. I think a lot of people have that's that is something that used to be a common practice for sellers. And that's kind of the evolution of Amazon in general as a marketplace, uh, just because it would no longer uh, they would no longer want just one consistent person writing products for multiple different you know companies or services um, they would want legitimate customers either buying that product whether it's through a launch service which are really uh, above board launch services we actually had a, a couple on from last week um, like ring belt for example they do it based upon like a rebate system uh, people are going on and purchasing products and goods and then they're actually getting um, like a discount or refund Amazon will still look at that stuff in terms of how it ranks that product and how it moves it up the board. Um, but they're, they're still, they still follow terms and uh, terms of services for Amazon. Um, but like Henson mentioned, most companies don't want you to write the reviews more just like purchase the products because Amazon will look at three different things when ranking a product, they'll look at sales velocity, they'll look at ratings and reviews, and then they'll look at, um, PPC or any kind of like uh, keyword in your listing. So um, those are those are the kinds of things that they look at consistently to move your product up the board. Um, I think she actually had a 
Oh, there we go. So she had her, she had a response for us since then. Uh, thank you for clarifying, Bernie. It says, uh, not actually get paid, but how do I find a company that can test their products for them? So almost like a product tester. Is that, I believe that's what she's asking. Is that, is yeah, that unfortunately, I don't know any companies, but <laughs> you can question. go on Google. You can go on Google and search for it, right? Or ask, um, go on to Facebook, Amazon Facebook group and ask, right? I'm sure a lot of people might have a suggestion for it. Right? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, there are companies out there. I personally don't know too many. And if if I do, and my Rolodex, I, I honestly haven't heard of uh, too many recently. There are companies out there that do, um, you can test their products. Um, those are those are mainly before either a seller will eat, mass order them from a um, warehouse. So like maybe a, a sourcing company or a um, maybe like a logistics company that is trying to broker um, and work with sellers. That that's where I would suggest maybe looking. Um, but there are Facebook groups out there if you just do a, a, a search that you can ask those questions in forums. Um, that that's where we would probably suggest, but that's a good question. Anyone else, if you have questions on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Google, make sure, or uh, YouTube, make sure you hop on and ask those questions for Henson. He's been kind enough to join us today. We're talking buyer seller messaging updates for Amazon and how it affects you as a seller in 2020. And then also, um, moving forward in 2021. So Henson with feedback was kind of like, kind of changing with everything. What, what's kind of the future for, for your, your, um, for feedback was what's, what's kind of what you're looking for to, um, iterate moving forward. Yeah. For us, you know, of course, we're always going to be in this, uh, buyer seller messaging space. We have the review request review, uh, automation. So we provide all of the different tools already for you guys to automate the review request process. Right. So, um, so our, our main goal when we first started was really through the Amazon API, there's a lot of data that sellers cannot see, right? Or cannot access easily, right? There's reports you can download, you can, you know, go through all this. So what we do is we take all this data and we help use this data to help you guys, uh, whether it's, you know, um, getting more positive reviews or identifying which orders you don't want to send it to, uh, different things like that. So now what we're doing is, you know, we have, um, some tools down the pipeline where we use the same set of data, right? And we try to help you guys break down what aspects of each uh, certain points of these data can really help you guys, uh, let's say, generate more profits, how to increase revenue, right? Um, things that happen to your listing, like what happens after your image changes, right? Are your profits going higher? Are you getting more sessions? Are you get so that's, that's what we're working on right now. And, you know, we do have, um, you know, a bunch of tools in beta right now that are being tested and, you know, they're going to be released soon. So uh, our goal is, yeah, our goal really is to just create really useful tools for our sellers um, and, you know, help people succeed. That's that's the goal of it, right? <laughs> just yeah. just trying to help people shed light on things. And I think that's the tricky part is that there's so many tools out there that have pieces of the puzzle, but not all of it that with the data that is available in Amazon or pull it from Amazon. Uh, I think that's the tricky part, right? Is that people don't necessarily can't put it all together and see the full picture, right? Um, whether it's PPC is having a serious effect on profits or, hey, there's just, I'm leaving money on the table. For example, I'll, I'll self-promote myself, not uh, using a service like ping pong that when you're selling internationally um, or having um, 
a service like Feedback Wiz where you're not automating that review or request review tool to the fullest extent that you can, and you might be missing out on very high quality um, conversions in terms of like re reviews and ratings. There's just so many different things that don't come together, but I think that's a cool thing about you guys is you're using the data to kind of put those pieces together and paint a clearer picture. So that's really cool. Um, what is kind of like the thing that you expect? Like, I mean, 2020 is kind of like this, this outlier of a year. Everyone makes, not excuses, but I think it's kind of affected a lot of ways that people do business. What's kind of your take on what you guys seen from a company's perspective? Um, is there something maybe you've taken away from trends um, as a company and that you're, you're, you're seeing it move one way or another? Um. I mean, in general, I think for sellers, it's you got to be constantly innovating, right? You got to be figuring out what's the next hot product or what's the you know trend for different seasons and what to sell, right? Um, you know, having a few products is great, right? Once you understand how to sell on Amazon and the blueprint behind selling, right? It really just expands the opportunity to scale your company by finding other products in different categories that have the opportunities, right? Um, you know, I've always been about coming up with a good plan and then executing, right? So if you have a good plan and if you have a product that does well on Amazon, or let's say you don't have a product that does well on Amazon, um, try finding another product and then see if it's whether it's the product that's the problem or is it your execution that's the problem, right? And that execution part really comes from education, right? You need to really understand all the different aspects of, you know, what you need to do to grow your company on Amazon. But once you come up with that solid plan, um, you could see most of these big, big sellers, what they're just doing is they're just taking this same plan and they're just applying to all the new products they're selling, right? So as long as you do your due diligence, do the market research, um, find the right products that make sense for your business model, um, you know, the sky's the limit, right? Because Amazon is not just, it's not just about Amazon.com in the US, you're talking about worldwide, right? Amazon's expanding to all these different uh, countries now. They're opening up the doors for e-commerce, right? Because e-commerce e in countries like India or Saudi Arabia or UAE, these other, these other countries, they're not as, they weren't, they're not the same as the US, right? They're just kind of just starting to adapt and grow and they have massive populations that all need to consume. So there's tons of opportunities to sell uh, products in, you know, foreign countries, right? So I think there's a tremendous growth in e-commerce and this is the future of uh, how people will buy products. You know, it's easy and convenient and I don't see why it wouldn't just keep growing. <laughs> I, that's, that's our hope, at least for us who work in the e-commerce industry. And I, I agree with you. I think a lot of businesses have shifted to online uh, if they weren't already. I think there's a lot of people that have, have seen the power of like growth. Um, it's just harder because you're, everyone's dependent. If they're staying home right now in a pandemic, a lot of commerce is happening online and they don't know if that's just an inflation of, you know, what a pandemic does, or if that's just a natural progression, people feel comfortable, comfortable and confident of making either big purchases online or even small purchases like, going to a grocery store for a few things and having Amazon send it to you in two days. Uh, I think there is that huge dichotomy that's changing in how people shop online. And I would agree with you that I think it's going to continue to just evolve from there. Um, we had another question uh, from a friend of the show, actually, Francois. 
uh, of Nova Lane. So Francois heard me talking about them. So I guess he asked a question. Francois, thanks for joining. Uh, he asked the question, is there an average percentage of how many more reviews you get with feedback was versus not? Is there like a data set that you guys um, work with in terms of like the lift that feedback Lewis is providing? So I guess the question is if you're not using feedback with meaning you're just not soliciting reviews at all, or you're just manually soliciting. I mean, there's a lot of different variables here, right? So right. I'll just talk about where, like, let's say you're a seller and you're not asking for reviews at all, right? So the, the typical rate of reviews that you're going to get is usually around 1%. That's what it is. One out of hundred orders, someone will usually write your review. And this is kind of like data we've collected through the years and all the different big sellers we've talked to, right? Um, just right. in general, 1%, right? And a lot of times that 1%, I would say like, I think it was, I remember the number, like 40 or 45% of that 1% would be a negative review because more people are inclined to write you a negative review than they are inclined to write you a positive review, right? Right. So when you use like a third party service, like feedback ways, I mean, the, the idea is to try to increase the review um, quantity Right. But at the same time, you want to also improve, improve the quality of it as well. Um, and there's a lot of variables, too, because it also depends on what product you're selling. Right. Some products have different audiences. Some audiences are more inclined to write reviews. Some audiences don't write reviews. So the rate is it can't give you a number. Right. It could be anywhere from three to eight percent. Right. That's what we've seen. That's that's kind of the data points. You can get anywhere from three percent to eight percent review. Uh, you know, using a service. And it also depends on what subject line you're using, what kind of open rates you're getting, what kind of uh, personalized message you're writing, right? So there's a lot of variables that can you can do to increase your uh, review rating. Um, but however, you know, with these communication policies, there's a lot of things that you can't do anymore. So the playing field is more level, I would say, in general for just all sellers. And, you know, one of the really good solutions that Amazon recently released is the request review button. And, you know, based on everyone that I've talked to and, you know, all the sellers that we work with, they've all gotten pretty good um, results with it. Right. So I recommend you could, you could try that, try the request review button, automate it. Right. So when I say automate it, you can inc increase the reviews, um, quality of reviews, because you're, you're able to target exactly the timing of when you want to send those reviews out. Right. The timing is also very important because if you're selling a product, where the buyer needs time to evaluate it and you're asking a review too early, then they're not going to write your review. And then you're basically going to miss out on that opportunity. Right. And vice versa too. If you're asking, if you have a product and you're asking like in a 30 day where they can evaluate after three days, they might not remember your product anymore. So you have to really understand what's the review cycle of your product and then use the software tool to automate that process by segregating different products with different ask times excluding certain types of buyers who bought it, whether it's a refund, return, right? So all that good stuff. That's why it requires- um, There's too many variables, of, man. <laughs> there's a lot of variables, right? But <laughs> but once you understand um, what's the best way to maximize it and you set it and automate it, then you basically don't need to do anything anymore because you've already optimized it, right? So that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's up to services like you guys to, to help paint that picture. and. Uh, and clearly there, there's just so much, is there, is there like a, almost like an industry standard? Like this is the best time to, no matter what product you have, is that the best way to request a review or uh, rating? Is there like an industry benchmark? I mean, uh, I think in general, 
you know, we've seen that the highest conversions are usually in the morning or like kind of um, early afternoon, right? Because that's usually when people are most most active, right? And that varies too because it depends on who they are, what they're doing. But usually you want to send it um, in that time zone, right? So if they're a buyer in the U.S., you want to send it in that time zone where they're awake. Um, I don't know. With COVID now, I think most people are at home anyways, and they're probably everyone's like on their computer, or their Absolutely shopping and stuff, right. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it might not vary as much anymore. So, you know, you can play around, right? See if your reviews are getting higher, you know, less. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the time, yeah. No, that's okay. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, hello in there <laughs> for your daughter. Just wave to everyone online if you want to come and say hi to all the people. I don't know. She just likes to jump in all the time. No, hey, it's okay. Hi. Do you have any questions you want to ask all the people on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook? She can't hear you. That's why I have my head. Oh, uh, that's why. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> first, guest, first guest appearance of a child, and it was not mine. I'm surprised. This is why I do this during uh, school time is uh, when they're when they're out and active. <laughs> yeah. It's hard at home now, right? Because they're just always uh, at home. And, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we had another uh, question from Francois, actually, real quick, uh, Henson. He asked, um, does Feedback Wiz or do you support an A-B testing based on different subject lines um, or timing of when it's sent? So we used to, right? We used to have this feature and we can't, we don't have it anymore. And the reason is because of the Amazon communication policy. So the way we A-B test subject lines is we have to put in a tracking pixel inside your email. And when that email is open, uh, we'll, we're able to see that email is open. So we give you the open rate data. And then you can, of course, A-B test different subject lines by splitting up the campaigns. But uh, Amazon's communication policy says now that you cannot have tracking pixels in the email anymore, which basically says for us is you can't supply open rates. Um, gotcha. However, we're looking at a few different methods right now to go get around it. But at the same time, you know, we're talking to Amazon to see whether or not it's the tracking pixel they don't want, or is it you just don't want sellers to get open rates because that's kind of the issue here, right? It's not whether if they if Amazon says we just don't want sellers getting this data for open rates, then there's it's pointless for us to try to redesign around a different method to get it right. Um, but for now, yeah, you're not going to get open rates from anybody just because that's the new policy. So why, why would they want one way or another like that? For, for me, that doesn't necessarily make sense if they can't arm you with data in terms of like open rates. Um, is that just because they don't want bad actors to maybe say, Hey, we can improve that or well, what's kind of the reasoning behind that? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, it could be just, it could be something where they just don't like the tracking pixels in their email, right? Or just it could be code that interferes with the way that they send out emails. I don't know how people do it, right? It's, in general, um, industry standards, when you send out emails, that's how you track open rates. You have an empty pixel that they can't see and then it opens up, they can get the data. But right. um, that's why that's why it's a question for me. I don't know. I need to ask Amazon to see what it is exactly, right? Gotcha. Um, they might they might provide the data right because they have the data they could provide it to us if they wanted to right so that could be right. something that they might provide in the api in the future but for now i don't really know uh, what's the reason and since we don't have open rates i mean open rates is really just to test which what your whether your subject line works or not right but we've sent out 
you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of emails. Um, and we we pretty much know what subject lines get the best open rates, right? And for people that don't know, it's really, you just want to be um, non-direct with what the content of the message is. But you also want to include words like order, order, order ID, or Amazon, right? So you ha they have to know that it's something to do with the Amazon order, but you don't want to tell them too much detail about what the content of email is. So if you're asking for a review, you don't want to write like, could you please rate my Amazon order that you purchased, right? That will give you a horrible open rate because people right. already know what it's about. And then sometimes they just don't want to open it or they'll say, I'll deal with it later. They never come back, right? So subject lines, keep it, keep it short, but you want to include Amazon order ID and you can use like a, uh, like feedback was we have a variable where you can populate the order ID automatically for each one. So it looks like, you know, something, it, it looks legitimate because it has the order ID inside and they know it's something about it. So they're inclined to open the email, right? So regarding your Amazon order ID with the variable population is what we suggest everyone to use. Um, and consistently we get um, high open rates with that anywhere from um, 30 to 45%. So um, I mean, that's, I that's significantly higher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Make sure some kind of variation of that would be the best. You know? Yeah. And, and thank you, Francois, for listening. Obviously, he, he found that very insightful. Um, probably wrapping up here, Henson, I know there's a lot that we covered about the new updates for the Amazon uh, buyer-seller messaging, uh, ratings, reviews. Um, maybe, maybe is there something that Gosh, sellers should start looking for maybe 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 this is a question about inter our international audience because we have people at ping pong all over the world. Is there is there a way that you are tackling uh, international marketplaces um, when it comes to uh, seller messaging? Is there like a, a psychology in terms of marketplace to marketplace, or is it pretty consistent across the board? So that's a good question. Um, I mean, market psychology, yeah, we we are still like trying to figure out like what's the best, you know, it's really based on culture, right? The way that you're asking for reviews, like the way you ask for it, uh, it's, it varies, right? Every culture has a different way. Some, um, you know, the way we ask for reviews is different than the way that, you know, um, someone that lives in China might ask for a review, right? Because they don't understand the way, the culture of the way to ask for. So I think for sellers is you kind of need to understand the culture and then maybe find uh, someone native right, that lives in that country and ask them like, hey, if I sent you a message like this, is this something that you're going to be responsive to? Or do you feel like, hey, this is offensive or hey, I don't, it's not worth my time or do they get annoyed, right? Because I know a lot of Europeans, they don't like being solicited for reviews, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes that can work against you, right? But it also, it really depends on the words you use, right? And I also did a mention with the new communication guidelines, uh, Amazon does require you to send your email out in the buyer's preferred language. So if they're, if they're uh, let's say you're selling in Europe and they bought, um, you know, if they're, if they're a buyer from the UK, obviously they're probably going to be English, right? But if they're a buyer from France and they said their preferred language is French, you have, you're required to send out that message in French, right? And the tricky part is if you're just doing it manually by yourself, um, how are you going to know what the buyer's preferred language is, right? You're, you're not, you're not going to know. So you have to use like a, for right now, like um, Amazon gives us this data, right? As a software provider, they tell us which order has what preferred language. And then what within our tool, what we do is we'll make sure that you send out that message in the right language, right? So you, you have that 
template loaded up in French, that template loaded up in German, right, or Italian, whatever. Uh, and then we make sure that that language matches what that order is, and then that way it goes out. Because if you don't send it out in the buyer's preferred language, um, it does it does say it's a violation of communication policies. I don't know what they're going to do uh, in terms of you know suspension or what. We don't know yet, but um, right. it is a requirement. Yeah, different uh, conversation to be had. Hopefully, in the future, if you have answers like that, uh, we'd love to have you back on. But um, I th that's all the questions I'm seeing right now. This has been super insightful because obviously this is an evolving uh, door. And I know you and I know, uh, knowing you personally, how many things you were trying to figure out on a constant basis um, with all these updates that Amazon throws your way. You guys are like basically superheroes over there trying to do the right thing for your customers, but also making sure that it's compliant. It's above board. It's, you know, white hat. Um, I applaud you guys. What's kind of, if people have questions more about maybe buyer seller messaging communication or just about reviews and ratings in general, where can they go to find out more information about you or feedback was? So we have our website, uh, feedbackwiz.com. We have our support site, support.feedbackwiz.com. And you can email us at support at feedbackwiz.com. We have a blog site on our website that has a lot of the articles and we have one a very good breakdown of the communication policies uh, that are in effect right now. So it's like a, you know, like a five minute read, but you know, we broke everything down for you and I might not have covered everything today, but I cover most of the stuff, but if you missed any of it and if you want more detail, just check up our blog. Our blog has all of that. Absolutely. Check out the blog. And then this video will also live on our YouTube page as well. I know feedback was as a YouTube channel as well. Uh, subscribe to that. Make sure that you look for any updates in that regards to all the messaging, um, any updates in industry that they cover in terms of uh, that. But uh, I just want to say thank you so much for hopping on. I know you're a super busy guy. Um, you know, as always, more than welcome to hop on board on our show. Again, everyone who's joining us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, uh, this was about buyer-seller messaging changes on Amazon communication updates for 2020 moving forward. And then we also touched a lot on reviews and ratings check us out. Um, again, watch this recap. We'll have it on YouTube uh, for your consumption. But again, Henson Wu, founder, our co-founder and CEO of Feedback West. Thank you so much, sir, for hopping on board. Thanks, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks. <laughs>